the, the type of work we've been doing with e-commerce brands over the past few years has been transformational because we've helped develop new products with our clients that had no, those weren't even on the map, but suddenly they realized there was a chance here, something that their specific customer base needed and they built an entire new product and shipped it. And that, you know, incredible results. So I think that if we were able to shift the the way people think about it as if, oh, not again, someone telling me to do user research, I'm more like, this is all the opportunity, then maybe we'd be able to get more people to do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of CVO Live. I'm here with Talia Wolf. Hello, Talia. Uh, so Talia is one of the wonders in the optimization space. She's uh, having so much knowledge and uh, she, she's blending together the psychology with copywriting and with the persuasion skills, not to mention the fact that everything has to rely on uh, the data. So uh, today, Talia, we're going to speak about uh, customer value optimization, which you do know that I'm obsessed with in the last two or three years already. I'm drying my mouth uh, trying to advocate about uh, looking at the whole life cycle of, of the customers, not only at the acquisition or website experience. So uh, before we start, why don't you let us know how you've uh, got yourself immer emerged, uh, immersed into the optimization space at the very beginning? Um, well, I've been doing this for over a decade, which is crazy now. Um, I just, I can't even believe it, that it's like so many years. Um, I started out in traffic, um, mostly paid social, um, and kind of basically found myself asking questions like, you know, is there more to likes? Is there more than engagement? Is there more than comments? Um, and playing around with landing pages and Facebook ads to just try and figure out, like, if I change this image, what will happen? If I change this copy, really just changing elements on the page, not really um, thinking about a strategy or anything, you know? It was really kind of... Um, just me trying to figure it out. And then um, I started Google, like searching online. There wasn't much around at all. Uh, Pep Laya was just starting his blog, basically. <laughs> so there was a bit of that. Um, and slowly I discovered that, that, was an, that there's a whole job just doing that, like just optimizing, just trying to get more and more. Um, but for me, I think the biggest step wasn't discovering conversion optimization, but discovering that what matters is understanding how people make decisions, understanding the psychology behind people's brains, um, behind their decision-making process. And that is what was the biggest leap for me in conversion optimization. Beforehand, you know, I was running the agency, we were doing things, we had a process, but it wasn't based on what conversion optimization really is, which is psychology and, and, and creating better experiences that people need to feel and go through for the entire life cycle. As you know, and you and I have had so many conversations about this, it's not enough to just be uh, focused on acquisition. You have to look at the entire life cycle. So yeah, that's my journey. <laughs> 
uh, I think it's uh, it's exciting to 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 look after uh, after a decade behind yourself and to 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 find that some some things have clearly changed, but some things have done, have not changed. Uh, how how you are seeing uh, right now this uh, the whole optimization space from uh, from your perspective? Do you think people are waking up more or more easily to the fact that uh, we need to go beyond the website and to look at the customer research before we tweak the uh, the, the experience? Or do you think there is uh, still a, a a long road ahead? You know, I, I think I see it in like three steps. The first step was when I got started, I mostly focused on convincing, trying to convince people they need to do conversion optimization. So thankfully we're not there anymore, right? Um, which is good. Um, then it turned into trying to convince people that it's more than just changing elements on a page. It's an entire strategy. And I think that more and more people are coming to the third stage, which is, oh, I have to invest in customer research. It's more than just age, geographical location, and browser or device. It's understanding my people, understanding the customer, their mind, their feelings, their emotions, everything in order to optimize. I think obviously the biggest brands know this, um, but I think there's still a long way to go. Um, my gut feeling is that this is the the best time for small brands that are in a very competitive market and are finding you know a hard time to stick out and stand out in that crowded space to leverage emotion and psychology and customer research to stand out. So um, it's it's on that kind of border of a lot of people are understanding it, but it's not nearly as close as it needs to be. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, this uh, this study has a lot to do with the fact that uh, mentalities are hard to change, and we are, we are, we are still, let's say, uh, uh, we as optimizers and the whole market and the marketeers and uh, the decision makers from from companies are also falling into this trap of. Uh, uh, bad or good habits, right? At the end of the day, there are these are habits. They they have the habit of spending money, of not looking at the whole thing, the whole life cycle of their customers, and yeah. uh, pretty much they are doing this local optimization instead of uh, doing the the overall radical uh, redesign of the uh, the the experience. Uh, I have a I have a statement or uh, something to to run with you. So basically, okay. we we are seeing uh, that. We, we have this space called customer value optimization, right? And it's uh, it's about optimizing the customer, the value that the customers are getting in order, of course, for the companies to extract more value. From your perspective, do you think this uh, this approach is the, the, the healthy one? Because at the end of the day, we, we are hitting our targets by making the others hitting their targets, right? If we want to be happy, we need to make our partners happy. If we want to yeah. have a happy life, we need our kids to be happy because otherwise, God forbid, what happens to in our life. So at the end of the day, it's not about us, but it's we have this, uh, let's say, indirect approach in order to, to, to get to our objectives and my, my question for you is regarding this uh, the, this statement how how do you think companies will transition to this uh, realization yeah well um you know i'm 100 percent behind you on this i think uh, brian eisenberg said it best um you know when your customers achieve their goals you will achieve your own so i think yeah. there's that's that's the sentence right 
Um, and everything I focus on at Get Uplift is creating experiences that people love to convert to. And if they love to convert to and you're delighting people and you're making them feel better and you're answering their, their questions and you're solving their problems, then great, because you're going to get more conversions and sales. Um, you know, it's, it's going to take time. I, I think that there's a lack of alignment between what a lot of, you know, there's some companies that aren't there at all, right? They're not thinking about this. They're thinking sales, 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 sale. And this is also why we see they don't really focus on retention. There's not a lot of email marketing going on. There's not a lot of relationship building. Then there's the, the companies that say that they do it, right? They care <laughs> about it, but they're not really doing it. Um, so I think there's kind of a leap that needs to be done. I think in our heads, most of us understand that that's the right way, but I don't think that everyone's there yet. And there's still time until we get there. There, uh, there, there, is, uh, there is time for sure. What, uh, what we don't know is how much uh, is going to uh, get for us to, to, to get there. But let, let's talk a bit about <clears throat> why do you think these companies are... Uh, are doing it because there are numerous reasons for sure but let's let let's try to to to, to get to a few reasons uh why companies are are so stuck with their old ways and why they are not focusing on the right uh, north star metrics yeah it's a good question i think it's definitely um a mixture oh, people calling me okay <laughs> Um, I think it's a mixture. Um, it's a mixture of old habits that won't die, but it's also our comfort zone. I think that it's hard to step out and say, I don't know this, or there's a different way to go about it. And I have to unlearn everything that I've been taught because most people have been taught to focus on very specific points, to look at vanity metrics. And especially, I mean, you know, I talk a lot about emotional targeting and, and the whole idea of understanding how people make decisions, right? And that will help you optimize your funnel. But if you take a step back and think about the people that are driving, you know, driving traffic, the people that are, you know, basically in charge of driving leads and driving sales to a company, they also have emotions and feelings and they need to stand out and they want their managers to see their success and how well they're doing, which is why a lot of us focus on vanity metrics, bounce rate, time on page, stuff that doesn't really move the needle or even acquisition. Now, I'm not saying that acquisition isn't important. Of course it is. It's the, one of the biggest pieces, but I think, you know, as we're heading into a recession and generally speaking in the world that we live in we all know that retention is the name of the game if you can keep your relationships if you can build on them if you can create better relationships then you will be able to ride this out you will be able to build a better brand a smarter brand a healthier brand and i just think that for many people it sits on habits comfort zone not really feeling that they can actually talk the language and speak in the right words. Yeah. And, and I, I just think it's, it's a lot to do with our internal, you know, internal feelings and 
yeah, the, the, the internal feelings of the decision makers, because if we think about it, Talia, at the end of the day, what drives change? At the end of the day, the change occurs when something goes uh, wrong, right? So when, when we have a struggle, when the companies are, be, are start to bleed money, they look for ways to optimize those things. When, yeah. when, do, we have, uh, when do we need to, we, we have to, to do layoffs, right? We, we are seeing that <laughs> Shopify laid off 10% of their, uh, their workforce today. So when these things are happening, that's a form of optimization. So basically, they could have prevented it you can think that they, they, yeah. this is such a huge company. They have 10,000 employees. How, how couldn't they see it in advance? How couldn't they optimize it? But at the end of the day, it's about the environment. So the external conditions, but also yeah. the internal realizations about how the future will, uh, will look like. And what we're seeing right now in the e-commerce landscape is that acquisition is uh, a bloodbath. Companies are uh, spending way more to to attract the same amount of ca uh, customers, and I, I think that on the long run, this is a good sign. This is this is a good uh, context for companies to to eventually uh, thrive and at this moment survive. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe some of these companies. I don't know about Shopify, but specifically, um, many companies are also having layoffs now because they're trying to optimize for the future, you know, burn rate and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, I think it, you're right that if you want to survive in any, in any climate and in any industry, ultimately the ones that survive are the ones that focus on their customers and understand the ins and the outs of their customers. And a few examples of this would be your developers uh, taking support calls. It is your uh, product people answering support tickets. Um, it is really running surveys, interviewing people, doing review mining, social listening, user testing, all the stuff that everyone does not like to do, right? We all want to just look at some numbers and say, this is the way to go. Uh, or we all look for machine learning, AI, and all sorts of <laughs> buzzwords to fix things. And people forget the foundation. And the foundation is where all the moments of aha come from. It's where your strongest copy comes from. It's where your biggest deals come from because suddenly you have epiphanies about, you know, not only just the copy for a homepage or a landing page, but, you know, what products to create, especially in e-commerce. I mean, the, the type of work we've been doing with e-commerce brands over the past few years has been transformational because we've helped develop new products with our clients that had no, those weren't even on the map, but suddenly they realized there was a chance here, something that their specific customer base needed and they built an entire new product and shipped it. And that, you know, incredible results. So. I think that if we were able to shift the the way people think about it as if, oh, not again, someone telling me to do user research, and more like, this is all the opportunity, then maybe we'd be able to get more people to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've touched on, uh, on a dear subject to me, which is uh, user research, customer research. So uh, we, we, we have seen this unbalanced uh, focus on visitor behavior and now we are shifting to customer behavior because if we if we rely on i don't know the demographics in google analytics uh, th that can reveal that i don't know your audience uh, is composed of uh, 
40 years uh, old uh, ladies from small uh, cities, whilst your actual customers could be in their 20s from uh, big cities or whatever. But or or that's not even the case even if they are 40s in you know in their 40s in big cities that's not going to help you create better ads or better copy or better products you need to know yeah. owns that like exactly what like what do they hate what's keeping them up at night what are their biggest fears Exactly. So what I want to unpack to you, Talia, is how do you do at this moment customer research? So tell, tell us about the, the, the things that are exciting right now and how you unveil these, uh, these emotions that are helping you to, to craft better experiences. Yeah, sure. So um, for us, customer research is a multitude of things, right? It's never just one thing. Um, there's the part where we do things to... Um, and, and I want to say this because maybe people who are listening don't have a lot of customers. So I want to talk about the different types. On one hand, we have the customer survey that we put out. There is a visitor survey that we put on the website. We do visitor customer interviews where we actually talk to people, um, which is really client facing and talking to customers and really trying to understand them. Uh, we also download ch chat transcripts sale calls and listen to them to see the hear the emotions and the questions that people are asking so really on that end there's just so much you can do to see if there's any patterns that are showing up and what we look for is their biggest pains the roadblocks hesitations concerns and also desired outcomes because a lot of the time in e-commerce people focus on the actual product that they're selling and not the value not the emotional value and the, the better you know them that better version of their customer so there's that if you're if you have a lot of customers that you can do customer research on that's what i would do the other piece that we always add to it is social listening and review mining and five minute uh, five second five minutes five second tests and user testing and you can do it blindly uh, with you know different types of audiences but all of those all those four allow you to dive into places like reddit facebook linkedin twitter conversations um and look at reviews on amazon's uh, you know, for your competitors, but also for completely different things within your industry to understand pains, hesitations, and also desired outcomes. So there's a really wide range of research that we run, but the questions that we constantly ask ourselves is, are, um, you know, what pain are people feeling right now before finding a solution and how do they want to feel after finding one? And those are the two main questions that navigate us when we do research. Yeah, so it, it, it's a bit uh, about the, the the struggles that they're having before looking for uh, for a solution and becoming product aware, or and after that. So what they are trying to 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 achieve with that, and how how do you do you do any kind of differentiation in in terms of when you do this research, uh, let's say uh, for e-commerce, because we've discovered that there are many nuances. You have the, uh, let's say, best customers, the loyal ones, the ones that no matter how many barriers you put in front of them, they still yeah. come back, they buy again from your brand. And on yeah. the other end, we have the, I don't know, one night standards, the, 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 the ones that are passing by your brand, they buy once, you never see them. Do you do any kind of uh, uh, approach for various groups of customers depending on how loyal they are? 
Yeah, we're definitely segmenting a lot of our interviews and our surveys, um, and we'll send them out to different segments depending on the client. In addition to that, we also try to identify the why behind a purchase. So we'll do segmentation according to the different products that they've bought, when they bought them, how they how they bought them, if they came in from a special campaign or not, and really look at just the different paths that they came to and how many times they've actually purchased something for a client. But in addition to that, we also segment according to the different motivations. Um, so for example, for one of our clients, we discovered three main pains that lead people to their website. We discovered that by doing a visitor survey and a customer survey. But when we reached out to do um, customer interviews, we then asked specific people from each uh, group, so the different three groups, so that we can hear the different things and hear the see the similarities and the differentiation between them. Because as we start writing emails, you're writing landing pages or working on product pages, we want to address those types of people too. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, you 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 need to profile. So what I'm getting from you is that your approach is to 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 adapt to the type of customers that you have so that you can extract the 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 insights that you're uh, you're after so uh, mainly from uh, from from what I, how i see the 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 process at this moment there is more and more emphasis on uh, uh, on the customer research and uh, uh, i think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's too expensive so if we look at the struggle that the business owners have if things would be like it's 2020 in september let's say and people are migrating uh, to uh, the online channels they wouldn't be doing all these things because they would be overwhelmed with the demand now that the demand is diminishing and the competition is high because we have a lot of traditional retailers uh, yeah. flooding the, the the digital channels, that means the the uh, the ad costs are, are are through the roof. So at the end of the day, the struggle, the main struggle, are is the uh, higher acquisition cost. So basically, we 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 are seeing that all these optimization uh, endeavors are coming out of this uh, main main struggle which means either a my business is not doing as good as good as it was so basically the ROAS is down and the customer and my customers are churning and when these two things occur at the same time the 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 e-commerce owners are there or the marketers or basically they are looking for solutions but what it's funny and I've discovered this is that through our own uh, jobs to be done research, we realized that people are looking for a solution for customer research and customer segmentation, or, and this is competing with allocating budget on TikTok ads. And at the end of the day, the, this is the same fix in their eyes because they have a limited budget and they, can, they can't do everything. So basically, if all you have is a hammer, everything you see looks like a nail, right? Yeah, and I also think, and I'll add to that, to everything you just said, which is so right, that if you have experience with customer research, and most people do in some way, but the problem is they have experience with running it incorrectly. So a lot of the times I will speak to people who say, ugh, surveys don't help in any way, I don't get anything from them, and that's because they're asking the wrong questions. So I also think if you were burnt in the past from like, 
research, then you're kind of also going to like going to diminish it and say, well, I'm not going to get anything from it or it's going to take too long to actually get insights from it. So I'm just going to pour all my money into this channel on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, rather than actually take the time to do the research. Yeah. Talia, where is the, uh, or where is, how, how you are uh, getting to statistical relevance? So wh- w- let's presume you have a sample of customers and you need to validate this because b- basically on one end, the, you, you are doing this extraction of uh, chat transcripts and you're looking at reviews and that's, that's one thing of the puzzle. But another thing is to, to, to do this type of, uh, uh, of surveys. Do you suggest to, to people which are looking to do uh, customer research to, to validate this statistically or uh, how, how do you draw the line here? When can well, you rely on the data? Great question. I mean, it really depends on, on the size of your business. Um, so for us, the way we validate stuff is after we've done all our customer research, um, the qualitative and the quantitative, we then come up with hypotheses of, okay, what? so now that we've learned all this stuff, what's happening on the website why isn't anything working and it's really easy to identify right what's not working and then come up with hypotheses and we a b test them so we might come up with a new home page a new product page new email sequences that are targeting abandoned cart or re-engagement or upsells or flash sales whatever or maybe we're doing something on category pages or in the search bar so we're taking everything that we've learned and we're applying it to a b tests and experiments on the website however some websites are smaller don't have enough traffic or conversions a month to run uh, statistical significant a b tests and then i would say that the only way to go about it is without testing which means that you would run your research you would try to get as many different types of research in place uh, it's not as much as the volume of each one uh, versus the amount of different platforms you want to look at like social listening, review mining, uh, chat transcripts, customer surveys, and maybe, I don't know, one or two interviews in order to see if there's something, there's a common thread. And ultimately, it's going to be an educated guess, but you're already doing it with your traffic. But with traffic, you're just pouring money into something without any indication to anything. So at least here, you're going to come up and say, oh, I know this now, I have an hypothesis that I should be speaking this way, or I should be talking to these people, or I should be promising this. And you can actually apply that to your ads too. So if you're heavy on acquisition and you've now done some research and you really have to validate it, you could do that with your ads because you can apply all your lessons to ads and see what happens. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a great tip. Talia, going, going a bit uh, further, on uh, on the tips or insights or preferred ways to improve customer lifetime value it's clear that uh, so far customer research is uh, uh, it's a uh, a foundational aspect right so you you can't improve what you don't measure and you can't uh, improve it unless you know what's broken right so unless you know what what's what's in the mind of of your customers because if you're selling uh, the the same products and you can't change them at least you you can change your messaging angles and that can't happen unless you know uh, this from from the customers what what else what kind of uh, tips do you have uh, to 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 share with uh, with our audience today around improving CLV 
Well, I think email marketing is not a big secret, but it's a big thing that people aren't leveraging enough. Uh, people are shy to send emails or they're focused on the wrong stuff. I think um, for me, email marketing is one of the biggest channels that we have at Get Uplift and also for our clients. And we're always investing more into it. We're investing more on segmentation. We're investing more in creating new sequences. We're investing... Uh, a lot of time in tagging people and understanding their unique needs. Um, and it's just another way to learn more about people. So we send out segmentational emails. We'll send out an email to someone asking them to click on a certain link to tell us about themselves, um, to tell us their story. We'll invite them for an interview for 20 minutes. Um, all that stuff through email marketing is just incredible and really one of the things that you need to remember is that once they have provided their email to you or they've purchased from you or they've even come on as a lead they're expecting to hear from you and you need to leverage that in a way that serves them and yourself so i think for me that is a great way um, to go about it i also think that chat uh, is one of the best ways to learn more about your customers and i don't think that people are leveraging enough uh, that either, uh, whether if it's, as we said before, okay, downloading chat, tr chat transcripts. Uh, but as I said, I think getting everyone involved in the process. So if you have different teams that are all working, silos. right? The silos, oh, those silos. Um, you know, if you can have someone from product, you know, in marketing, if you can take someone from marketing working on support, if you can get those different people working on those little things, you can break those silos and also share a lot of knowledge. So for me, um, you know, the biggest tips are always going to be around how can I speak more to my customers? How can I give them value? And sometimes just get on a call and say, hey, what do you want to tell me? Like, what, how are you feeling? what's going on um, and that those have been productive yeah so I, I i heard so far customer research i've heard email marketing and then i've heard the internal alignment and uh, i guess the the internal alignment if we are to focus a bit on on this aspect it's uh, it's more about uh, i don't know politics then it's about uh, optimization or it's about uh, optimizing the the internal uh, 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 let's say teams yeah. It's crazy. I have to tell you, it is crazy to see some of the teams uh, and clients I've worked with uh, have s silos that are they're sitting, they're back in office, these companies, and they're sitting next to each other and they have no connection. It's amazing because we're growing and growing and growing and we're not connecting. Um, silos are an issue. I'm not saying anything new. Everyone knows this, but it's just it really creates a lot of issues um, and challenges, especially when you're testing. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're testing. So Talia, tell us, uh, tell us more. What, what else? What, what can be done in order to improve customer lifetime value? We've heard so far the, the, these aspects. Customer research, find out why the customers are buying and what's their desired outcome. What kind of struggles do they have and how the product it's fitting to, to, to the progress that they are trying to, to, to make. Then we've heard about email marketing, not, be, not being shy and uh, talking to your customers based on the customer research, knowing their pains, knowing their struggles and desired outcomes, 
facilitates a, a better communication via email. Then we've, uh, we've, we have heard about uh, internal alignment, about uh, making sure that, I don't know, the email team is talking with the social media team. And in order to achieve it, my, my two cents about it is uh, to, to, to look at what they are after, because many times they have different managers and the company sets some crazy KPIs, which are not aligned to the customer's, uh, uh, let's say, purpose. And uh, at the end of the day, these teams are disconnected. And I, I've seen this multiple times. And I, I think this has a lot to do with uh, more with HR and org chart and internal performance reviews than it has to do with the customer research. Because if people are aligned, and if you can give them a, a North Star metric like CLV, for instance, and if you make them aware about how they are influencing it, maybe this will uh, we, will be, become much more easier. What else? Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to everything we mentioned today, I would say that the next step would be to start using emotion and leveraging persuasion and psychology in everything that you do. Um, and what I mean by that is to take a step back, because it sounds like very big words, but if you're listening to this, I would say my biggest tip is you are not the hero of the story, your customer is. And I think the biggest mistakes, especially in e-commerce, though SaaS does it too, uh, is that we companies and brands focus so much on the product and not the results. We focus so much on the specific features that we have. We focus so much on pricing, sales, um, you know, capabilities, uh, and we don't focus on our customers as their heroes. And what I mean by that is you've done all this research, you've aligned the team, you're doing all these great things, but now it's time to actually speak to your customers. And you have to remember, if we go to back to the most foundational thing, we're all on their website looking for something. Someone's trying to solve a problem. Anyone coming to your website has a problem they're trying to solve. They're not looking for a piece of fabric. They're looking for self-esteem. I don't know if you're selling clothes. Uh, yeah. If you're selling insurance, they're not looking for a piece of paper. They're looking for, you know, just calm to feel. Yeah, but it's, it's with everything. Um, you know, I work with um, a wonderful company called Upright. They sell um, a posture training device. It, you stick it on your um, back and it vibrates every time you slouch. Um, and it's, it's phenomenal. Oh my gosh, I used it for like two weeks and my posture was amazing. Um, but when we started working with them, a lot of the messaging was around technology, around uh, biofeedback science about, you know, tr all these big words, but no actual results for people. And what we did is we changed the copy, right? We spoke about uh, transforming your posture. We started talking about sitting hours and hours in front of the computer. And we also uncovered that the biggest uh, thing, that the biggest competitor that Upright actually has is that people just forget. We all start out in the at the beginning of the day, sitting up straight, 
But as the day starts, we forget and we start slouching because we're working. Um, so we started talking about the fact about taking that responsibility away from them. You slouch because you forget to, but it's not your fault. Everyone does it. Upright's here to solve that for you. We will take care of your posture. We will fix it for you. And that was a transformation for Upright from just saying, improve your posture, have a healthy posture. It was great. It was selling, but by actually using the words and making our customers the hero saying, hey, I recognize you. You really want to improve your posture, but you forget it's normal. Here's how we're going to do it for you. Speaking to them, making them the hero, taking the blame and the shame away from forgetting was transformational. So you ask, hey, what's the other tip? It's how do you take all of that and make the customer your hero? If you look at your website right now, how much is about yourself, your product, your pricing, the features, and how much is about them, their results, their actual value that they're going to get? I guarantee it's 10% of everything else that's happening. Fantastic. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on, uh, on this. It's, uh, uh, it's about uh, not being, not you being the hero of the story, but uh, being, uh, I don't know, Yoda of the stories. And exactly. <laughs> the mentor that shows the prospect, that shows their hero how to become the hero they were meant to be. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic, love it. So, uh, in uh, in order to, to to change gears a bit, uh, Talia here, I want to have your your take on uh, uh, on all these uh, customer loyalty programs because I I've I've made so 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 much. Uh, let's say I I've talked so much about them, but I want to hear your opinion about what's why they are good, why they are bad. How do you think those are? Uh, uh meant to be Ooh, um i have so much to say i think <laughs> i think the biggest issue that these loyalty pro programs have is really the where they're coming from i think that a lot of brands start their loyalty programs thinking how can we make more money uh which i guess as a brand makes sense i know but Hear me out. I just think that when you're thinking about a loyalty program, the only thing you should actually be thinking about, I mean, you can always have the North Star and that's, of course, you want to increase customer lifetime value, of course. But your goal, the question you should be asking yourself is how can I make my customers' lives even better? How can I make it easier? How can I solve more problems for them? And that becomes your loyalty program. Um, and I think that what happens is the reason a lot of loyalty programs kind of fail is because they come at it from, okay, how can we make more money? And then the programs that they offer are very specific to get 10%, get 20%, get 30%, get a swag. I mean, it's cool, but there's no strategy behind it. There's no community. When you think about the world that we live in, we all are so far apart from each other. And what we want is a sense of community. We want to be connected to people like us. We're looking for it on Facebook. We're looking for it at Instagram. We're looking for it everywhere. And you have the opportunity as a brand to find all these people that have a certain similar pain and connect them. And for me, a loyalty program equals community. Uh, and, you know, it's it, that is where I would start. And that's kind of, 
I think when you have that community and it's a real community, that's where brand ambassadors come out. That's where word of mouth gets out, all of that stuff. But if you come at it from an angle of sale, 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 it's just not, it's not the right move. Um, I have more. <laughs> I'm just going to let you speak now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. And I, I think this has a lot to do with the, the this concept be uh, uh, around what's the company journey and what's the customer journey and when these are disconnected when and and it's pre pretty much is the same as in uh in, in hr right when when the career path is not let's say congruent with the company's path then you have dissonance over there and there there, there is a friction there and that's exactly what's happening what do we want more money how do we want it want them let's uh, bribe the customers with some points and uh, maybe they will come back and where can we draw the line how 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 the tears would have to look like well some people in a room they are scratching their heads they realize they could afford to give them like uh, 20 bucks for every 400 dollars uh, uh, spent and that's it so that's how most of the loyalty programs are being crafted and i think that's wrong because it's not starting from a place where who are our best customers what do they want from us how can we make their lives even better how can yeah. we hook them into consuming our product assuming that our products are making uh, their lives better right because yeah. if they don't go back to square one and fix that because if you sell crap you, you are not going to survive on this competitive landscape but that's yeah. another story so I, I think that's what's happening with the uh, customer loyalty programs these are designed because the company needs them exactly like you've said and those are not starting with what kind of value can we afford to offer to our best customers so that we can make more customers uh, better. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's another buzzword, to be honest. It's kind of like when they speak about AI or machine learning. I heard there's a loyalty program thing we should do. Someone do it. There's <laughs> no real, there's no real, um, not a lot of strategies behind that. Um, so it's interesting to see if there's a way around it. We also have a comment from Alexandra. I don't think it's a, it's a question, but uh, yeah, kudos for that. Uh, True. Talia, going further, uh, what else can the companies do uh, to, to improve the, 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 the customer lifetime value so far? In order to recap, because I have this uh, the, this new habit of doing recaps, because it's also helping me to to, to understand what we talked about. We've talked uh, <laughs> about emotional targeting. We've talked about email marketing. We've talked about customer research. We've talked about internal alignment, and we've talked about customer loyalty. What what are are we missing uh, uh, here? Well, I mean, I think the next step which is the first step, is actually getting people in the room to agree that this matters, right? Because you might think it's important, but ultimately, as you said, a brand or someone up top just set an incredible, crazy, what is up with the people calling me? Um, <laughs> sorry. That, that was, that's what's happening when, when you are connecting your iPhone with your Mac. If, if that's so annoying. <laughs> it's, it's always doing that to me. And I'm like, why don't you recognize yet that I'm like, 
there must be some connection here. Like I'm live. I don't want to answer my phone. And I just hit the pause button. Why is it still like, why does it go to anyway? Um, <laughs> sidetracked. Um, what I, what I think happens and I've seen this happen in, in, in a lot of brands lately is that there's a group of people sitting at the top that have these KPIs and maybe, you know, they have, these goals they need to hit. So you might think that customer life, you know, value is important, but they might not. So what you actually need to do is make sure that you're building the case for it first and that you can actually show ROI for it. It's kind of like what I used, I used to do trainings on how to get internal buy-in for conversion optimization, right? You have to do these things once uh, because yeah. people didn't believe in them. So it's the same. You have to actually show the ROI um, to your managers and to their managers and show the roadmap and how good it can be and hit their emotional triggers and what, you know, basically it's selling it within, within and getting it to be prioritized because ultimately you can spin your wheels all day, but you have to have internal buy-in for it to happen. Yeah, and that's that. That requires an aha moment to happen in uh, uh, in the space between the ears from a decision maker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sure. I I, I want to uh, I want to point. Uh, I want to focus a bit on uh, on another aspect, and uh, I want I want your take on on this. Uh, there was this uh, let's say hype around the personalization a few years ago and then it was another <laughs> hype and now it's uh, it, it's coming back as well so you need to personalize yeah. Good to know. You, you need to you need to do personalization and uh, i want to hear your opinion about personalization because uh, we've been doing this for years right so i know back in the days back in the days we were bragging about the fact that we we had it uh, geo IP and weather segmentation and the fact that you can personalize based on the uh, areas, right? So to personalize your message for 50 kilometers around Tel Aviv, right? And uh, all, all these things uh, led to a point where we realized that personalization is just a buzzword unless it's relevant. And in order to be relevant, you need to have a relationship with your customers and with your visitors and you need to uh, understand what they are after so uh, basically yeah. it's around how how can you achieve personalization across different channels in order to improve customer lifetime value that's my question for you here's my my take on this personalization is another uh word that people invented like i've said this so many times but machine learning ai because the idea of, I mean, the way they've put it, and you just said, okay, personalization, we'll show you the time, we'll say good morning, Talia, we'll say it's raining where you are, you know, but that, I mean, that's not personalization, that's showing that I know where you're coming from. Real personalization in marketing is giving me the products that I need. It's talking to me in a language that I understand, it is using the words that I use to communicate something. As an example, you could say that your product does this, but everyone, when you speak to your customers, they're all describing it in a different way. Those are the words you should be using, not this. That's personalization. When you're 
listening to your customers and everything on your website, your copy, your design is all addressed to them. It's not about having a cool feature that says good morning um, or your time. Now, there are important things with personalization, right? Accuracy, like showing someone the right um you know, dollars or euros or pounds, like showing them the right currency or mm -hmm. telling them uh, where, when the when the package will arrive. Like you can put in your zip code and it will say, okay, according to this, it will come in 10 days. It will come in two days. There are personalization pieces that are technical that you should do, like show the right language uh, on their website. But that is something that should be standard. That's not personalization per se. So for me, when I think about personalization, I think it's another way that people were looking for something. Where can I, how can I use a tool to do this? You know, there was a time when Facebook ads, and I know that these, these products still exist, but like 10 years ago, there was uh, AI for, for, for Facebook ads. And you could basically go into this product and you could say, I want them to buy this and this and this. And the program would just like randomize copy because like do it fast and it will do it for you quickly and it will test it for you quickly. And the amount of bugs and errors and weird sentences that were being said there just because someone was lazy to write high converting copy. Someone actually built a product that will automate ads for you. But no matter how well you go with technology, you still need the, you know, the foundation behind it. You still need to know who your customers are. You still need to know the language and the words that they use. Um, so personalization, I mean, it's everything that I said, but I just, I don't think that saying, you know, it's now 25 degrees where you are. It's personalization. I don't Cool. <laughs> I'll check my app. <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. Um, yeah. Ta Talia, going, going further on, uh, on this, uh, let's say, tips and uh, insights that, yeah, that you, you can be after in order to increase customer lifetime value, I think there is a certain aspect uh, regarding uh, the 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 measurement right so what what's behind customer lifetime value because uh, on one end you, you everyone talks about customer lifetime value and yeah it should be this or it should be that but on the other end there is a disconnection between what customer lifetime value is and what kind of initiatives the company is having every quarter or every year in order to improve it because it, some companies behave like this is like gravity you can't affect it right it's there yeah. that's customer lifetime value we can't do anything about it what was it oh it was uh, uh, 280 dollars and let's go on with what we've done last year and last quarters uh, uh, as well and i want to touch this aspect re regarding uh, the 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 measurement of it because basically you can't improve what you don't measure right um so are you asking like, hey, how would you measure if you're doing well? No, or not? I, I, I'm asking. I'm asking. Uh, how would you suggest companies to 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 go on with their measurement, and, and what kind of changes do you do you suggest to uh, to them? Because if if all they are doing, we we have these retailers, right? They had strangers coming to pick up products from the shelves. Now we have 
online groceries, we have online supermarkets, they have identifiable customers with their buying patterns and they don't do anything about it. They not even consider monitoring customer lifetime value. And basically they are using an old model, the retail model to, to monitor success, but they have access to this myriad of uh, ways to look at what's working and what's not, right? What kind of brands wo work well with uh, other ones? How is the CLV going after launching their customer loyalty program? Yeah, um, you kind of reminded me of, a, of, of like marketing online really, because one of the biggest epiphanies that I had was when I started um, my first conversion optimization agency, you know, we were optimizing for stuff and we started working on the emotional targeting methodology and the process. And I kept explaining to people that if you look at ads offline, like on television and the radio, they're very emotional. You don't, you rarely will hear about a sale or a price. It's always about some kid that missed their grandparent and running into their arms and hugging them. But you, can't, you couldn't measure that. Back in the day, it was just, let's hope this ad works well. And it was always about emotion. And when people started basically advertising online, it was all about sale, sale, 50% off, 50% off, go, go, go. There was no emotion. And now you can actually track it, but you're not. So I completely understand what you're saying. I think we need to start tracking it in a much better way. And I think, again, because you're online, it's so much easier, even you know, looking at the types of products that people are buying, um, looking at the correlation between them, looking at how you can connect different brands and different products, looking at even, hey, if someone bought this product, when is the next best time for them to buy it again? Or yeah. When should they buy it for someone else or when should they get this product instead to like leverage or go higher um, or, you know, become a pro um, or maybe this is this product that now will complement it. These are the questions that you need to be asking. Um, and I think, again, it's, it's also, as you mentioned, it's about understanding motivations and then looking at, okay, why did they come to the store today? Right. If we look at, a grocery store. Why did I come to the store today? I came to get milk, um, almond milk, because I'm a vegan. So I came to get almond milk and I came to get some vegetables. But on the way, I saw this and I'm like, mm, I would love to have some porridge today. I will have some porridge. The way that people, the way that grocery shops actually do product placement, the way they organize the shelves, the way they feature different products as you walk through the aisles. For example, whenever you go to a grocery shop, it's always gonna be the vegetables first and the fruit because it's the fresh, it pulls you in, they want you to see it, to smell it, to feel it. And slowly as you go through it, you'll see the most well-known brands and behind that, the less known brands and then sales. Think of it that way. You want to be thinking about someone walking into your shop right now. What are the products you want? And what are the things that are going to pull them in where they'll think, wow, this is incredible. And then what can you feature next to it that will complement it and feel like, oh, wow, this isn't just a product. It's a whole experience. I'm going to get all of this stuff. And as you mentioned, like even a loyalty program. Wow, this is amazing. Um, Dario, for example, which um, basically has a blood pressure monitor and a glucose monitor for people who have diabetes. They don't just have the blood pressure monitor, they have a coaching program 
Okay, so if you have diabetes and you're feeling alone and you're feeling like you are, you know, you don't know what to do with your weight, with the food that you're eating, when to actually test, when not, all that stuff. Sure, they could just sell the monitor. But when we think about it together about what are we actually selling, we're selling an experience. So we're selling the coach someone to get on the call with, someone to have to build a community with, to not never feel alone again as you go through diabetes because it's your, your entire life. Um, so that is the customer lifetime value. The product is a product, but what the experience that they get from it, that's what we're going to measure. We're going to measure, do they actually use the coaching program? We're going to measure all that around it. So, Yeah. We also have a comment from Murad Labgira. Hopefully, I, I've said your name correctly. correctly. Labgira, yeah. So I believe content personalization can improve customer interactions and ultimately drive revenue if the material is accurate and available at the point of engagement. That's right. I can't argue with you, Murad. So, Talia, uh, unfortunately, we are... Uh, approaching fastly approaching the end of our session today uh, and uh, my uh, my last question for you is uh, r- regarding the future of optimization we, we have well, you're running uh, get uplift which is a uh, conversion rate optimization agency do you see yourself broadening your scope do you see yourself uh, going out there and helping companies improve their strategy improving bring, you, you've already mentioned that you've helped companies to launch new products and that means you've already got outside the website right already yeah, how like do you see the future the old discussion of should it really be called conversion rate optimization versus business optimization? Um, we definitely are um, a team that goes all in and we immerse ourselves within a business. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen in the first minute because you have to get to know the people behind and you have to get to know the business and the goals. But you know, some of the clients we've been working, we've been working with for two or three years now, or even longer. And we're so immersed into the business that we can see it all. It's not just about improving a product page. Sure, it starts there. But ultimately, we have a huge impact on how things are packaged and sold um, and shipped. Uh, We have an actual impact on the emails, on retention, on new products coming out, on new campaigns coming out. We sit and help them choose goals for the next year and I'm sitting in planning sessions to look at, okay, what's happening? Um, especially in SaaS world. So like looking at product roadmaps and giving ideas from what we've learned. So um, I definitely don't think it's just conversion rate optimization. Um, <laughs> we're, we're definitely optimizing the business as a whole. Great. Then, Talia, I guess we'll uh, see you at our uh, CLV Revolution uh, event. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to do something uh, here to show people that they can uh, uh, register. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking. You should come and listen. I'm going to tell you how I identify emotions and actually use them in copy and design to increase conversions. So if you want to dig more into everything that we just spoke about. You should come. And you should also record that, and that will be my video. (laughs) Yep. Great. Then uh, 
Talia, thanks a lot for uh, being uh, today with us. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they uh, find you? Are you a Twitter, a LinkedIn person? Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, I, um, YouTube, and my website, uh, getuplift.co. So we have tons of resources and content there too. Perfection. Then thanks again for being today with us and uh, thanks everyone for watching us and we'll see each other in the next episode. Until then, enjoy the ride and enjoy your lives. See ya.